everybody. Welcome to the Tech Raptor Podcast. I'm Robert Scarpanito, your features editor. And Rotten, editor-in-chief. Rutledge Doggett, site founder. Andrew Stretch, awards editor. And this week, we're talking about our games of the year. We're doing what everyone has to do at the end of the year and talk about the games that we think won. We're giving them medal. We are mailing them medals. So mm. devs out there, check your inboxes, check your mailboxes. This is where the asterisk goes to so read the fine print. Mm-hmm. The fine print says, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but <laughs> we, we do have new awards in progress, though, and we will be sending those out. Mm hmm. And they will all be made of platinum. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk about this week, uh, our games of the year. That's what we're going to do. Uh, we've done a lot of voting internally. And we also had an external vote on our Twitter feed where you, the readers and the listeners, could vote on your game of the year of those nominees. Um, so we've tallied it up. We have the top three in most of the categories and top five in a few of them, along with the reader's choice. So... I think without further ado, let's kick things off with best multiplayer game. Our winners for this list are, well, the reader's choice goes to Halo Infinite. Third place goes to Guilty Gear Strive. Second place is Halo Infinite for the internal voting. And first place is It Takes Two. Until the future name gets changed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Until the name gets removed. <laughs> The fuck the Oscars man wins once again. Yes. Yeah. Now, I know we have a lot of people on the pod here who are fans of Halo Infinite. And by a lot, I mean two. Um, I asked 50%. Yeah, it's about 50, yeah. <laughs> um, how are you guys feeling about it winning both Reader's Choice and Second Place? It's, it's pretty spot on. I mean, the multiplayer is really, really good. Uh, with the exception, asterisk, of Melee, um, which enrages me daily. Have you tried getting good? No, I would if I wasn't passing through my opponents. <laughs> I feel like you'd have to be good to do that, right? That's fair. I mean, mm -hmm. shouldn't your aim just be better? Your depth? No, it's yeah. like, depth no the problem is awful. like you literally, they don't have collision for opponents. So if you're too close, you're literally like hitting through the opponent and not actually connecting. <laughs> so you can literally be, <laughs> this is weird to say out loud, inside uh -huh. your opponent. And just miss, yeah. missing the melee. Um, oh, it's, it's very like it's anime kind of move esque. Mm. As like both of you like pass by each other, and then you sheath your katana, and then you wait for one person Boy. to fall, but no one falls because no collision was detected. Yeah, I the only one that's hearing this. Mm. Oh, that they're they're bad at video games. Oh, <laughs> we're talking about sheathing and being inside your opponent. And, uh, <laughs> Apparently, we're starting off this episode with uh, everyone is a child on the Tech Raptor podcast. Yeah. Well, see, the thing is, I know in the Spartan armor, doesn't it castrate anyone inside the armor or something? Right? Or like it just like so, what the kind hell? Of, yeah, what right. Halo it, like... fanfic have you been reading? <laughs> what? No, no, this was actually is something it... people talked about earlier this year. Whether or not, oh. <laughs> and I can't believe I'm saying this out loud. <laughs> whether or not Master Chief's suit jerks him off. Right. Um, what? Yeah. Yeah, that was a thing this year. <laughs> we're so, talking about starting off. <laughs> An award for best fanfic goes to, <laughs> goes to Jesus uh, Twitter, Christ. I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, yeah. that's that's a thing. But this oh. has really gone off the rails. Yeah. No, <laughs> but I, I, the, I know there's a bunch of novels. Are they are they in like the uh, erotic novel space also? <laughs> 
I don't even know where that came from. I just saw like a bunch of articles one day, oh. and I was like, "What is going on?" Mm-hmm. Ruts, Ruts, looking up, you know, Halo slash fiction where each Halo ring is just Galactus's cock ring. Exactly. <laughs> Has the power to destroy universes, right? Boy. But- yeah, Halo Infinite, I think, is a very well-deserved one. Um, even though I haven't played a lot of the multiplayer, there is something about it that is really fun, right? Especially with that grappling hook. Um, I I am glad that Guilty Gear Strive made the list, personally. That's that's my, you know, the horse I was betting on in this in this category. I, I think, you know, I know fighting games are a little niche. They're less niche than they were, like, five, ten years ago. But, you know, it, it takes a certain kind of person to, like, really get into fighting games, right? And, like, stick with it. Whereas I feel like most people would stick more with like shooters, right? Like a it, it's a buried stuff. entry. It's just so much less. Yeah. On a shooter. Especially right. with those like really like you get in, you get in depth kinds of a uh, kinds of fighters. Um, that there can definitely be that barrier of entry. And if you show up to, you know, a local or even playing amongst friends and one person's been playing for a while and are, you know, ripping out all of these awesome combos and you're like, for some reason, I can't even punch to kick. I guess I'm hitting the wrong kick button. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That can be difficult. It's really cool to see it up here, up here on this list, though. Oh but yeah, Nasher for life. Oh, you poor soul. <laughs> no, because mm. I think Strive. Uh, I think I wrote up the um, the award write up for it, but it's it. I think it straddles that line between simplified enough to be easy to get into for someone who hasn't played many fighting games, but enough depth where once you get bit by the bug. You really like there's a lot to claw into and dig into that you really wanna like just get really good at your character and kind of learn the mechanics. I think that might be why it just really struck a chord with a lot of people this year. Yeah. Um and I know it takes two one our first place here. I don't think of us four we've played that much of it, right? But it's yeah, I think it's on all of our lists or most of our lists, fifty percent of our lists, but uh just not something that we've gotten around to yet. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I know I've heard it's pretty good, right? And it like really turns co-op play on its head in a lot of ways. Because I know my roommate, he's played a lot of it and I've like seen him play a bit. And it's, there's something about it where it just distills that multiplayer formula to just two people, right? And like you ideally would want to be playing it with someone that you really care about, right? To really feel that narrative hit you in the real world in a way. I think it's also neat that it's not, you know, there's so many multiplayer games that we see around the place that like, player A and player B are, you know, essentially the same character. They do essentially the same things. That's it. But, you know, I know that there's a lot of segments in It Takes Two where, you know, to get through an area, one person has access to one tool and one person has the access to the other tool. So it's not just, you know, like a, like a, you know, fear multiplayer or Halo multiplayer that's like, man, we're both kick-ass Spartans and one person can just like charge ahead and do everything that they want. But it's really like... You've got to work with that person, mm-hmm. like truly um, cooperative. Guess, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's it reminds me a bit of um, Resident Evil Revelations Two, which I know that was the episodic Resi- uh, Re- what, Resident Evil game that uh, you know at one point like one person would be like the big burly you know soldier whatever, and the other person would be a little girl, and as a little girl you could like see enemies through walls and throw bricks to distract them and then as the big guy you could actually like hit and shoot and and kick people around so it was like so much of you needed to be listening you needed to be relying on 
Um, I really dig games like that. It definitely makes them harder to play. Like probably one of the biggest reasons that I haven't had a chance to play It Takes Two yet is I just haven't had, you know, I haven't had the dedicated time to sit down with my significant other and be like, yes, this is what we're going to do for the next however many hours. Right. Um, you know, it's difficult enough to plan on one schedule <laughs> as soon as you have to rely on two schedules. Yeah, um, it gets a little complicated, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know it kind of builds on what Yosef Ferris worked on previously, right? I mean, he did Brothers, Tale of Two Sons, and then... Uh, a way out. Was it no, a way out. I was going to say No Way Out. I'm like, oh, it's almost the Spider-Man movie. Uh, no, A Way Out, which kind of felt like what if Shawshank Redemption was a video game for a lot of it? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah they but were going to that... call it No Way Out, but then Marvel uh, you know, pulled copyright and they needed to change that name as well. Mm-hmm. So now it it's just called Shawshank. <laughs> they should just like, you know, next time just, just deliberately like, you know what? We know this is getting copyrighted, but fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> they should just copyright. call their next game like Activision. Call it <laughs> just, That's it. <laughs> Yeah, put them under more make fire. Make sure it's right? got a, or it takes two. Make sure it's got a GTA. Like you can distill it down to that. <laughs> <laughs> the Lindsay Lohan lawsuit. Yeah, it takes uh, two. The Ballad of Fat Tony. That can be the <laughs> DLC. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on to our next category: best writing. Our reader's choice goes to The Forgotten City, which also won our third place award. Uh, second place goes to Life is Strange True Colors, and first place goes to Guardians of the Galaxy. Of these, I think this is a pretty good list. The, all three of these, like for me personally, I, I am a big fan of all three, three of these in terms of their writing and their narrative. I only played Guardians so far. Forgotten City's on my list. Deathloop was in the running as well, and I really enjoyed Deathloop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I think it was uh, one of the early pods we talked about Forgotten City, right? Because it was you one played... of our test ones. I don't think it was oh, one that went out. That's right. It's one of our secret oh, yeah. lost so episodes. We, so we have discussed it at length in a podcast format, but it wasn't ever released. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm still a big fan of Forgotten City. Like I still think about it like in terms of just what are some of the best games of the year to me, right? Yeah. Just in general. Um if you haven't played it yet, it's very it's a it's one of those time looping games where you're trying to solve a mystery of like basically who's going to end the world in the village, right? Like someone's going to commit a sin. When someone commits a sin, it'll destroy the village. So you're trying to figure out who yeah. does it and what is a sin. Exactly, that's the big question, right? The moral question. It's, yeah, it's super good. And I think in our little test podcast, like my takeaway with it is it's like. Um, it, it, this is not to demean it in any way, but it's like a really good philosophy 101 class in some ways without using the terminology a lot of times with philosophy 101. You'll learn concepts of certain things, of, of various different kind of philosophies and way to approach things. Because that's very much what it's about is like, what is sin? And if you can kind of, I mean, no, you can almost take an infinite amount of angles on that of what constitutes you know, a bad act of some kind. Um, and obviously it doesn't have an infinite amount of characters to do that, but they do quite a few different angles where it's like, I get, I could see what they're doing. Um, but I mean, obviously some of them are, some sins are pretty, uh, you know, obvious, pretty obvious. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, that's kill someone. Well, that's the interesting thing, right? Is I think, um, there are a lot of sins where it's obvious, right? But then they bring up some where, 
because most of the characters in the game are like from ancient Rome or ancient Greece, right? Like really old or like moral codes, right? But then you meet someone who is a Christian in the game. Like actually those early days Christians were like back then in the day, they were considered heretics, right? Among the more pagan Romans, right? So then it just gets into that like, okay, I think the Christian moral code is something that more people nowadays are likely familiar with compared to the ancient Roman moral code. So then it gets into like, so what really is a sin just because of how you grew up and what you've learned, right? So I found that stuff really yeah, interesting. That's really great. I mean, it's the the writing is the gameplay because in terms of gameplay, you run around, and there's a there's a couple opportunities to shoot a bow, but that's kind of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, which and that's not to knock. I mean, because you're you're it's it's trying to was that a, was that a pun? No. Uh, no. To, to I wish knock, I wish I was knocking an arrow and pointing it at you right now. Okay. But. <laughs> now this is the good writing we come here for. <laughs> uh, it's I don't even remember what I was saying. Oh, so I just just figuring out who to talk to and when, and kind of figuring out a, a a path to go through things is interesting. And then there's multiple endings and figuring out what those are because I mean you can kind of wrap up the story in in several different ways. Mm-hmm. Well, a couple of them you can just stumble into like pretty early and be like, all right. Figured it out. No, so there's, there's know, a lot it's, there. It's potentially that you know, if you enjoyed the the base story idea of Deathloop, um, that you know, if you were someone who was disappointed that there was really only one way to finish it, that uh, you know, it might be worth checking out Forgotten City. Forgotten City's good. It's yeah. not super long. Like you can you can do it in less than ten hours. Like pretty pretty much everything. I mean, you can see one of the endings in like ten minutes. Yeah, you can see one of the endings really fast. <laughs> yeah, but if you want to like really uh, the engage far cry with approach, it, mm-hmm. kind, it's, kind it's of though. Good. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely now that we've seen, uh, you know, modern storyteller, the developers, you know, they this is their first game and it started as a Skyrim mod. So now that they've seen this success, I'm very interested to see what they do next. Now that they've got them, you know, a little bit of footing under themselves, and they've proven that they know they can make something that's successful, and hopefully, it's sold decently well. So that they can, you know, get some good backing behind them for whatever they want to do next. It'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't played it yet, I think it's on Game Pass as as we speak right now. So um, if you have that, check it out there, right? Yeah, it's worth a shot. Yeah. Um, Life is Strange True Colors. I, I think I might be the only one on the pod who played it, maybe. Unfortunately, yeah, it's uh, one I definitely plan on checking out, though. Yeah, I, I won't speak too much on it then because I don't want to spoil anything, but it truly is like one of the most human stories to come out of this year when it when it comes to video games. It just I mean, it's all about a girl who can her, her power is like super empathy so she can like really tap into other people's emotions. So you can kind of see that duality of, you know, like I'm putting up this this uh, external frame of like, here's what I want to show off. Here's what I want people to think I am like. But then she can see inside their heart and be like, okay, but this is the thing they're really struggling with. And, you know, there's just something about that. I think many people can relate to it and to see it distilled into a game and then be part of a larger narrative about the small town in Colorado. Really good stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Otten, you reviewed Guardians of the Galaxy for us. You want to give us a little little taste of what you think about it with its writing? Uh... Boy, I've said so much about it now. We spent like two podcasts talking about it also earlier. But yeah. <laughs> um, it's, 
so I guess I'll take it because I didn't write the blurb for the best writing, but I wrote it for, well, spoilers, but for the game of the year thing. And uh, it's it was easily the most surprising game of the year. I don't review a lot of stuff for the site, but I was like, uh, it was I had some time where I could fit it in. And I said, this will at least be fun. I think I'll have fun with it. Um, I, you know, it'll definitely probably be funny. Uh, but I didn't expect it to be so like introspective and very, um, I don't know. It does a lot of mature storytelling with how it, it deals with these very flawed people and why they're flawed and not necessarily like that's a bad thing, but like what, what is it about them that makes them think the way they do? And it's not <clears throat> simply it like felt very real. Yeah, and like yeah. the way the way characters reacted to stuff was like realistic. Like that's how a real person would react to it. And same with like your friends, like or, you know the other guardians would react in a, a very realistic way. And they weren't simply like, okay, here's our cutscene where I give you my tragic backstory and then we never talk about it again. <laughs> Move mm-hmm. on like most other games, which is fine enough, I guess. But like when you when it gets to character and why people are the way they are like this that's some of the biggest moments in the game that are crafted around that like some of the biggest set pieces and gameplay moments are right around you know traumatic or not necessarily even traumatic but just things that challenge the beliefs of any particular person in that game like oh like why do i think this about myself or why do i act this way kind of a thing and it's very smart i was very smartly done um it's just it was really good uh the yeah. and i mean if you just do the base all the banter is really good and there's a lot of it um and it comes up in uh really good like it triggers really well so if you do certain things in the game or go certain places and kind of flows pretty naturally you could definitely like cut stuff off if you move too quickly or something through a level or whatever but it's all really good mm-hmm. yeah I, I think a lot about that scene with drax and nowhere right like that yeah yeah that is just because you know drax is the funny serious man who doesn't realize how funny he is but yeah. then then you get to that scene and you're like oh okay they somehow turned this group of jokesters into something that's way more serious than you'd think mm-hmm. why am i crying because this guy who doesn't understand sarcasm uh has an emotional backstory <laughs> like yeah where, what happened <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think the writing just it straddles that perfect line between really funny but then also really heartwarming and it just it kind of makes them feel more real in a way. Yeah. Definitely. Like it, and I think that was one of the lines I had in my reviews that that Eidos Montreal like somehow managed to make, you know, a raccoon, a, a tree that says three things. All these characters some of the most like relatable characters we've had in a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Weirdly, all these weird ass characters. Uh, they're relatable in some way other ways they're not because they they're they're insane also in their own little ways like (laughs) of how they work as people but there's a lot of uh, the emotion wise and and why they uh how they became who they are and why they are this band of misfits is very relatable for sure it gives you a much deeper look at the Guardians compared to, say, the Marvel movies. Um, yeah. They also you know, had a lot more time. If you're familiar with the Marvel movies, it's got a lot of the same vibes, but it, it feels like it goes a lot deeper. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Like there's some sort of multiverse, you might say? Yeah. No, that'd be ridiculous. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty also, maddening. We talk about the characters. The plot's not bad either. Like it's, it's perfect Guardian stuff. Like It's just bonkers, just continually stumbling into... 
new things. <laughs> and you're like, what the hell? It's getting just it, worse and worse on every choice they make. <laughs> Making yeah. it worse for themselves. Lovable <laughs> uh, band of misfits. Exactly. Uh, next category. Uh, best soundtrack. Our reader's choice went to Persona 5 Strikers. And the third inventors place, of jazz. Yeah, yeah, they invent they invented jazz and now yeah. hard rock. They yeah. invented hard rock now. Uh third place goes to Halo Infinite, second place goes to Neo, the world ends with you, and then first place also actually goes to Persona 5 Strikers. This is I could not be happier with this list. Yeah. Um between just the absolute like balls to the walls Persona 5 Strikers soundtrack that, you know, continues um, the the trend of Persona soundtracks to just be absolute bops from start to finish. Neo, the world the world ends with you. Continues that super like stylized, um, uh, you know, like take hip-hop-ish, on hip hop ish, but also yeah. rock. It's awesome. And then Halo Infinite, almost at the complete other end of the spectrum. Um, just you know the the really stupid as it sounds like just the emotional moments that the music um that the music brings in is so fantastic i don't know who like there's definitely some kind of setting somewhere in the system that knows if you're like above a certain you know altitude like slowly looking out of the scenery and then just like the main theme kicks in Mm -hmm. it's like who the hell programmed this this is amazing this is exactly like the the kind of momentous epic effect i want yeah I think there's something too about like the combat music in it where I I mean this in in the most respect I can mean it. It's going to sound like an insult, but it's not. It just sounds like a video game ass soundtrack. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It just feels like you're playing a video game, which sounds like it means nothing now that I think about it. But I think you have to feel it, right? When you play the game and you just hear that the music kick in when you're just shooting a bunch of grunts or something, it just it's like, am I in Unreal Tournament right now? Or am I playing like an early Doom game, you know? Yeah, I mean, music can... That's the crazy thing about music. So little can be done and it can invoke such intense emotions um, that you really like don't think about it. You know, if you if you're a person to think that a soundtrack to something doesn't mean watch doesn't mean much um watch a horror movie with subtitles and no audio and you will feel nothing um and that's or i mean you know, like when really... people say that if when you think about some games or franchise that's the first thing you think of like even something as no one would ever consider thinking about talking about soundtrack stuff like the mario series but like there's iconic music with mario mm-hmm. and iconic sounds that come with it so like everything, like there's stuff that you definitely associate with. Yeah. It's like the the difference between the music like Halo that is meant to be like music to sit in the background and accompany or, you know, uh, Persona, the music in Persona is meant to like be a set piece and then action happens around it almost. Mm-hmm. It's It's the difference in like how far back is the music. Um, you know, there were definitely some tracks in Neo, The World Ends With You that I definitely felt they were background tracks trying to be more. And I would normally skip through those on the shuffle because I felt like they would maybe like taking away at times. Uh, but just the absolute, you know, bops that were that were playing were Chef Kiss. Oh, yeah. There were, there were times in Halo where 
the main theme started playing and i'm thinking of one of the later missions um where it hits and you're just like fuck it is 2007 again um mm-hmm. and just transport you back to you know the halo 2 days when um i mean it just slaps uh it hits and you're kind of immediately feeling the same way you felt maybe playing some of the early games have you guys seen the seen the clip of the grunt singing the theme yeah <laughs> <laughs> The grunts, the grunts for me stole the show in a lot of cases. Like you're destroying the propaganda towers, and then one of the like last ones you destroy, he's like, "Hey, chief, chief, don't don't blow this up yet." He's like, "Think about this. If you blow up all the towers, I don't have a job." (laughs) (laughs) He's got a point. Yeah, asking the real questions. Yeah, Yeah. it's It's just like stuff like that. So talking about blowing up the Death Star, (laughs) all the people. Yeah. jobs no but i think i think what you're getting on there right is like there's the same thing Otten was tapping into right of that like if it, it evokes this nostalgic feeling music just takes you back to a place right especially when it comes to games um and i think about that a lot with the strikers soundtrack because you know if you played through persona 5 a lot of the tracks and strikers are like remixed versions mm-hmm. of the original game's music um so you really just it, it kind of puts you back in that persona mindset it's almost easy to forget that it's a muso game right even in the gameplay there's enough that's a little bit different where you don't even think of it like a muso but the music I, to me it just put me in a persona mood rather than a like let's kill all the bad guys like just the the, the mindless grunts not the halo grunts but you know like random baddies right like it just it, it kind of shifts your mood in a way that really makes that game feel unique. Yeah, it, it it's a game that invigorates you. Yeah. Like you you feel like ready and going while playing it because of that soundtrack. And it, um I, and no, rumors ahead. are it will be the January PlayStation Plus game. Oh yeah. Uh, as well. So if people haven't had a chance and if that rumor holds up, um then if you have PS Plus then next month play it. Yes. So good. So 100%. much fun. And I have not played it yet, but I want to. Um, mm. And what it, I think it's so like obviously Persona Five is a turn-based game, and it's really hard to make like yeah, this is let's get make fast-paced whatever thing. It's like it's still turn-based. And they did a really good job of stylizing that and making it feel like a very smooth experience. Like it is just going back and forth pretty quickly, and like stylizing the menus and stuff really helped that. And it was just the Persona music is so perfect for a actiony game um that it's not a surprise that strikers is just a match made in heaven 100 i'm gonna say it now if if the strikers formula is how they want to go with persona games going forward i would be more than happy for it no i keeping still, that muso combat element no nah, i still want persona 6 man i want it like yeah the, you know turn-based slash i'm gonna you know hang out with a bunch of high school friends sort of thing I still want that. That'd probably be great. It's okay. That's what Yakuza is for now. Yakuza can be your your deep cut Japanese no. turn based RPG. Now here's the thing. I, I also <laughs> played Yakuza Seven, right? I think I reviewed it for the site. I still think mm-hmm. Persona Five does a way better job at making turn based gaming fun. I mean, I still like Like a Dragon too. I think it's it does a good job. But in terms of that feeling, Otten was getting at where like it doesn't feel like a turn based game sometimes. Persona nails that feeling way more than Like a Dragon does. Uh, let's move on to our next nominee. Best visual design. Our reader's choice goes to Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. 
In our third place award goes to Death Loop. Second place, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. First place, Kena, right? Kena, Bridge of Kena Spirits. Kena, Bridge of Spirits. Not Kenna. I was no. Kena this whole time. <laughs> Me too. This is this is awesome. This is so huge for for Ember Labs. Um, just the game looks gorgeous. I remember oh, yeah. when we first like first seeing that trailer when it came out was just like, whoa! This this looks like a Pixar film. How will it look in game? Oh shit, that's in game. Um, and you know, I did some I did some looking into this because this will also appear on one of our later lists i believe yes um and i'll probably talk about it more then but before they did kana um ember labs was an animation only studio that had worked on like a majora's mask short film uh which is really awesome to watch uh go look that one up i think it's called um a very unfortunate fate or you've been met with an unfortunate fate um, but aside from that, they've just like done advertisements and such a huge pivot from advertisements to a, you know, Zelda-like um, action role-playing game, but just that they took such like a, a importance in the way that it looked. Um, I, I so can't wait for whatever they do next. The level of polish in the cutscenes and how adorable those little like... The rock. Um, the rot creatures are so fucking cool. Yeah. One of my favorite things running around in that game is uh, as you, cause you collect rot throughout like the little adorable creatures. Right. So it kind of feels mm-hmm. a little bit like um, Pikmin in a way, right? Cause they keep following yeah. you wherever you go. And then there's just certain areas. Like when you, when you run by this thing, instead of them just like try, like trailing behind you, they'll like sit on a rock. Or like play with each other in like this little area or, you know, like hang out on a log and like sunbathe or some shit, right? Like they do stuff in the world. They're not just mindless followers. So as you run around and watch them, they just kind of appear in these really organic ways that just feels and looks so adorable. But it also has this feeling of like a lived in kind of space, you know, and I think that just is all attributed to the visual design really nailing that feeling and that you can give every single one of them a unique hat yes <laughs> and oh, so, the, yeah the... you run by like a, a a hat stand or something and all of them like teleport into like standing on top of it or to the side of it or on barrels next to it or just like mucking around in front and you've just got this absolute deluge of of a weird looking creatures wearing like sombreros or doctor's hats or one of them has like one of the boss's masks as a face it's nice to see Mm -hmm. the tf2 influence still around (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's the only influence tf2 has is hats Mm. uh we have death loop as well i did like the feeling of that game right that like there's just something about it that feels really unique and creative and when it comes to its like design and its world right yeah, like all the visionaries are dressed so weirdly. I really all the characters have like the weird masks and all that, right? Um, but the world is like this this mix of kind of almost steampunk, but then like Victorian-ish. Well, and the set pieces for each level from each part of the day is cool to see too. Like if you go to the same place morning, noon, afternoon, night, like the, the drastic differences is um, just neat to see. Just like whatever decision went into how can we like 
if this if this barrel was set up this way in the morning, what's happened to that barrel during the day? And I feel like there probably were hundreds of conversations about like, you know, what's what's been going on in like this tiny part of the map, this tiny part of the map. Yeah. Um, and the world, it feels lived in. Yeah. Um, there's so many games that you go through and they just feel like they are game, they are worlds made for your character to walk through once. And this feels like, I mean, and just by nature of like the death, the, the, the looping mechanic, it is a world that will persist regardless of your presence or not. Mm-hmm. And that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And, and the glitchy look of, you know, when, when you're uh, absorbing residuum or whenever you kill mm-hmm. a visionary and they drop their, their power, right? Just how, how it looks like you're seeing through the matrix almost, kind of, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a cool look. Um, and Ratchet and Clank, if, I mean, hey, if we're talking like Pixar quality shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Ratchet and Clank is... Uh, it's like the first, like, mind-blowingly amazing looking thing for this gen. It was just like this is what we're gonna. This is what we can get, and we're just at the start of it. Like my God, what are we gonna get? You know, a few years from now, mm-hmm. you can count the furs on Ratchet's yeah. head. You know, <laughs> it's cr- yeah, yeah. It's I mean, it, it's like you know, we had the original Ratchet and Clank, which still like plays great, doesn't look quite good. Then they had the movie. Then they had the game based on the movie, based on the first game. And that PS4 game already looked really good. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah. It won our again, visual design just... in 2016, I think, Ward. No, oh, well, well-deserved. Yeah. Good job, Ratchet & Clank, for, for doing it. It's a shame that um, a literal animation house needed to needed to come in and play the game to, uh, to dethrone you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, hey, I still think Ratchet and Clank looks so good, especially the worlds, right? They're they're so varied and like just alive, right? But they also are just so colorful and have their own visual language. For like this, it's a real like adventure, like, and that's what it, it, everything about how it looks and the variety just really makes the game so much better. Mm -hmm. I mean, like their gameplay is great and fun and all that stuff too, but like it's, I don't know, transporting you into this this kind of space with this crazy detail and obviously it, it with the whole you know now that we you know that new technology of ssds is in consoles we can finally do cool stuff of that yeah um, my my brain still breaks whenever i pull myself through a rift because yeah, cool. like i know right logistically i know it's basically a grappling hook right i can just zoom myself there but they they design it in a way where it feels like the world is coming to you yeah. <laughs> instead of you going to it, and it just that still hurts to like look at sometimes or like think about how does that happen. Uh, let's go on to our next category here: best expansion slash DLC. Our reader's choice goes to Final Fantasy VII Remake Intergrade. Uh, third place goes to Final Fantasy XIV Endwalker. Uh, second place is Animal Crossing New Horizons Happy Home Paradise. And then our first place is also Final Fantasy VII Remake Intergrade. Y'all play that Yuffie episode? Intermission? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was That's good. That's the one I haven't touched. It was um, good stuff. Yeah, I mean, if I, you liked I, Remake, you will like it because it's just more of that. Oh, yeah. I loved Remake. I just haven't gotten around to Intergrade. And it gives you a little and, more time with the characters you saw in the original game. Yeah. And it canonized Dirge of Cerberus, which everyone was really wanting more of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I hate, hate. What playing as Yuffie was so fucking fun. She's like maybe my favorite Final Fantasy VII character to play as yeah. so far with the, with the remake stuff, right? Like how she can be both up close and then far away. It's like, oh, the the oh, teleporting good. shuriken was a lot of fun. Oh yeah, mm. yeah, and and the fact that like there's that one section where you're in the factory, there's the conveyor belt, and you can like throw your shuriken at the the crates. Oh you yeah. Know, that, that was, yeah, yeah, that was great. <laughs> the little mini game section. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I think I ran through that that DLC like two times on the day that it came out just because I was like, I'm having too much fun. Mm-hmm. This is this is good. This is a world that I want to spend more yeah, time in. It's it, it's amazing I how much I lost done that. time into into the into the base game. That was me with um, the demo. And what's crazy <laughs> yeah. is the remake. The P- <laughs> you know, it's like, oh man, we're only spending time in Midgard, and it's like, oh man, we spent more time, but I was like, that's cool with me. Like it was good stuff. Oh yeah, and I can't forget they introduced the Gwent competitor. Was it Fort Condor? Oh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> a little, oh, little yeah. chess mini game. Well, not even chess. It's it's more like a tactics. It's like a, yeah, it's like an auto battler. Yeah. That was one of my favorite mini games of the original. It's just is fun. Mm. <laughs> Wait, what? So spoilers spoilers for next episode of the podcast but oh no i was actually going to ask a question where the answer was the fort condor miss uh, mini game and i thought <laughs> no there's no way that you guys would remember such an obscure part of this dlc and now all of you have come out and said that you've yeah. loved it but i've already scrapped that question <laughs> okay, yeah. so there was your one gimme and it's not even in the in the quiz anymore spoilers for next episode of the podcast Damn it, i ruined it <laughs> Um, but yeah, Intergrade, such a great expansion DLC. I just It just leaves me wanting more Final Fantasy remake, right? And who knows when we're going to get that. Yeah. I, would, I would love to see them do another expansion. Like to just get something small out like a Red 13 prequel um, or maybe a little bit into Vincent's backstory just so that you don't need to have played Dirge of Cerberus to know who all of these characters are. Mm-hmm. Just like dropping um, parts outside maybe the main storyline as DLC. Like all those tertiary places you could visit in the original game, you just kind of drop them mm-hmm. as smaller content drops. Right. Yeah, I think that could be really cool. While we wait five years for <laughs> 7 Remake Part 2 to occur. I would hope not. Now <laughs> that they've also- kind of got a formula down and a look that they've... Uh... It won't yeah, take maybe as it'll long. Be less effort. Um, the combat system yeah. seems to be kind of locked in. I mean, it's just Kingdom Hearts, but the next iteration. But <laughs> I mean, Kingdom Hearts combat has had, you know, it's definitely had the same like base core structure. Oh, yeah. But there's been changes in pretty much every Kingdom Hearts game combat wise. Oh, mm-hmm. definitely. I wasn't knocking. I wasn't like saying anything bad about it. It's just now they've kind of landed on this. Don't hey, shut Andrew, up about knocking. If you, if you say it. anything else bad about, oh, I you about Kingdom saying... Hearts, I will come to your house. We'll say anything I'm... bad about <laughs> it. I thought you were going to talk about me saying knocking it again. I was going to be like, my God, I'm going to shoot you too. Yeah. You know, what's so <laughs> scary is you, the listeners, can't see this because you don't have the video feed, but I saw a ghost of Nomura behind Stretch <laughs> when he was threatening Otten. <laughs> Just like, uh, with, like lightly lightly hitting a keyblade like, a, like an old style baton. <laughs> Um, you know, it is wild looking at this now. I didn't realize how much Final Fantasy dominated our expansion DLC list because it's oh, also yeah. Final Fantasy XIV and Walker, right? Like that's our third place. And I think for me, Final Fantasy XIV wins the award for a game. I keep thinking I'm going to play next week, but never do <laughs> for the past like year and a half. 
<laughs> um, I mean, no joke. I think my uh, my subscription renews like tomorrow, and I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll I'm, I'm down to keep paying to think I'm gonna play it next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I do I do want to jump into Endwalker because I know like the expansions have always like knocked it out of the park with that MMO, right? And and you go to the moon in Endwalker, so that's that'll that's rad. A lot of people Pretty were talking good. on Twitter about like how impactful the story was too which is is pretty cool to see from an mmo especially Mm -hmm. hey if it's if it's a big enough fantasy game if it's gonna have things that just completely aren't real maybe rut will find dogecoin up there on the moon hey (laughs) we we sheep army now (laughs) oh my god (laughs) you couldn't even get through that with a straight face no i can't and i own like six million uh just for the walls i'm not a crypto at all Uh uh-huh sure uh happy home paradise anyone here get into that at all my wife i don't every single person around me plays it like crazy and that is so amazing i think the world would be in a worse place after these last two years if it was not for animal crossing releasing when it did that dropped like right at the start of pandemic and and i just remember how crazy it was yeah you you gave it that momentous of uh put it up on that pedestal second place (laughs) (laughs) but yeah but the other but the other one has my girl yuffie that's true that's true it's true yeah you know i never thought about that because i I have thought about like oh yeah animal crossing came out at the perfect time but i didn't think about what how much darker would our reality (laughs) be if animal crossing did not come out People we wouldn't have uh, Isabel Doom guy. They would have right. just embraced Doom Eternal, and then we just all would have gone down that path only. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I it's... have. I hear that Happy Home Paradise adds a lot of like customization stuff that a lot of people are liking and digging They've into. Hugely expanded. Like oh, it. Yeah. It was already not a small game. They added the cafe. They added a new system of islands that you could visit. And they added the ability to just change every single villager's home Mm. as like things that people would like plan around and theme around and like they had spent one and a half two years building their island to be whatever the perfect island is for them now it's like hey that villager that you like the look of but whose house clashes with the style of your island you can have them now and you can just you have all of their house to fix and all of these other houses to fix um they pretty much took because there was the the DS game, Happy Home Designer. Um, they pretty much just plucked the core mechanic out of a fully-fledged DS game and dropped it into Animal Crossing New Horizon. Um, and on top of that, if you're you know paying for the higher tier subscription plan, it was just included. Mm. And it's just like, there you go. That's it. You've, you've now got... Happy Home Designer. And that's the um, closest Nintendo will ever get to Game Pass. Here's <laughs> <laughs> hoping Game Pass will be... Actually, it now shares titles. You can now play Banjo-Kazooie on your Xbox with Game Pass or on your Nintendo with Nintendo Switch Online. Mm-hmm. That's They're getting close. Parallels, mm-hmm. yeah. maybe. We're getting there. Yeah. Uh, let's go on to our next category here. Best Evolving Game. Our reader's choice goes to Final Fantasy XIV. Third place goes to No Man's Sky. Second place is uh, Genshin Impact. And first place is Final Fantasy XIV. I feel like... Not even a little surprised. Yeah, Final Fantasy XIV is just that game. You know, it's just... 
It's so good. What the people Please, who- Scrappy, I, I need to correct you. As we've learned at the Game Awards, it's actually pronounced Genshin Impact. That's right. I'm so sorry. Genshin <laughs> Impact, the, uh, the greatest mobile game ever. That game is bonkers. That and game... the fact that 14 edged it out is pretty substantial. I think I think definitely the numbers that 14 has been pulling, you know, uh, and the just continual high quality expansions, the fact that it was in a state, it used to be in a state where it was so dead they needed to do a full reboot. Yeah. Um, for them to have gotten to the point that just people are clamoring to play this game um, it's huge. They went from a dead game to a game they had to literally remove from sale because <laughs> it's, they, it's they what, didn't have the server capacity. It's what Anthem wants to be if it grew up. <laughs> I I think that that's but the fact that they did basically blow up their game to restart and had the for one had the idea and like seriously considered it and then actually did it is it's uh, it's no surprise that it's it's still getting insanely good support because they. They had the the guts to do that and then executed it very well. And so, like, they're, it's like they will consider any idea because that's insane. If you're telling, trying to pitch that to some exec or something, all right, how about this? We just literally blow it up and just make mm-hmm. a new game, but it's still called the same thing. Like, <laughs> what? Uh, it's, no, it's called a realm reborn. Uh, it's, sure, it's a little, a little different, <laughs> a little different. But and also like Orcs and Urca, you know. Mm-hmm, exactly but, like that yeah oh my god the uh so it's no surprise that it gets these crazy cool expansions that that that, that dev team that made that choice uh is still doing that it was a it, uh, ballsy place oh yeah really off. awesome yeah i mean it's truly like one of if not the best mmo to date at this point yeah i think it's an easy that's an easy argument to make um for sure yeah uh, Genshin Impact, I know, is also very good. I did play a lot of it when it first came out. I haven't been keeping up with it, but Stretch, remind me, we're on like three continents now? Or we're on three continents, and I kid you not, today, you know, the 26th as we're recording, this morning a trailer came out that also included some teasers of the fourth region. Oh, no. And this is the fourth of what will eventually be seven planned regions. Um. But the the fact that this game went from being a, uh, I guess it's like a bit of a Breath of the Wild clone that people were really, you know, not really sure um, how they would like it or if it was just going to feel like a bit of a ripoff. And now it's out and they've released three out of the planned seven areas. This year has been huge for it. They like released this new archipelago region like update by update um and it's all still completely free to play Mm -hmm. which i think is huge you can pay monies to get your waifus though that's right yeah you can pay um but you know between the the gems that you accrue um i guess it's a it's a little bit unfair for me to say now um but you know when i started playing and for the majority of the time that i was playing i was you know, I spent zero money on Primo Gems and I still had a pretty solid stable of like 10 to 15 characters just through regular play. Um, I'm not really into like the, you know, the hardcore, like deep dungeon diving, doing everything to max level. 
Um, but it just means that this is a game that reliably for me, every two to three months, I will hop back in, put another 15 hours in, hop back out. And every single time I hop in, there are new things. It's new fun. Mm. Um, it is. Uh, to go from zero expectations to I am still actively playing and enjoying this game so many years later is is bonkers to me. Sounds like it truly had a gentian impact on your life. Uh, we also have No Man's Sky taking third place. And I think that's this another one of those games, right, where it came out disastrously, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. truly horrifically. Um, and since then, it's been getting consistent updates to the point now where it's like a sleeper hit almost, right? Where the people yeah. who do play it are like, no, seriously, like it's it's good now. Yeah. It's not it's not that uh, awful, you know, promises unfulfilled game anymore. And I think we uh, I think we put this we we made the evolving game award. I think we started in 2018. I want to say No Man's Sky won it that year. So it's, and it was uh, nominated in 2020. So it missed out on 2019, and now it's took third place in 2021. So I like guess they've been nailing it for a while now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They they decided not to give up. They hunkered down. They fulfilled promises that were missed. Um, and they've added more. I think there are now mechs in the game. Like, mm-hmm. what the fuck? Yeah. Like, I remember looking it up, you know, within the last year and being like, oh, you can build a sanctuary now, like a home. Like, you can have a home base because just they added that shit to this game, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just nice to see. It's like, it's been, what, four years, five years, and they've just really just kept working on it and it's all for free too these are all just free updates well like after you buy the game right it's not like you had to buy an expansion or something to get these things yeah it's a it's a lot of very good content that they've rolled out over the years without charging which i think had they charged it might be a different story Mm, for sure i guess that's the that's the flip side of that argument between like the idea of so many companies or like, you know, the, the people say so many companies will release a broken game with the plans to fix it in six to 12 months. But then we really don't give enough credit to those games that like release in a good state and then just continue to deliver extra free content like Genshin, like um, uh, Animal Crossing and stuff. That like that's a that's a fun other side of the coin that doesn't really get talked about much and yeah like no man's sky as well just like you know it released it was a game it worked and now for that 60 dollar investment that you paid four years ago it is a whole new game leaps and bounds ahead of where it was another another two i'll mention that didn't make the list that i think have done a really great job kind of evolving over the last year were deep rock galactic and gunfire reborn if if you like kind of co-op shooter stuff with friends Mm. um that they've just consistently brought out new content every other every two months maybe um and just continue to extend their game so that those are ones i keep jumping back into hell yeah it's like i'm not even you know i'm not even that old but just like I remember, you know, I'd get, you know, a, a game maybe every three to six months or something. And then I would play that. And nowadays, you know, if, if I had Genshin when I was a 14, 15 year old, GG. there was no way I was passing high school. <laughs> like, just so many quality games that deliver so much extra content so affordably. Is, may is... or may not have been me with Halo 2. 
<laughs> it's pretty bonkers. Yeah. Stretch will be the guy like they say, all right, we're going to allow you to mainline Game Pass and just hardwire it into your brain. He'll be like, I'll be a guinea pig for that. Yeah, it's really good that, that I have learned gaming in moderation before I got Game Pass. <laughs> uh, let's move on to our second to last award category here, Indie Game of the Year. Our reader's choice goes to The Forgotten City, fifth place, Death's Door, fourth place, The Forgotten City, third place, Loop Hero, second place, Unpacking, and first place, Kena, Bridge of Spirits. A lot of good games on this list. Yeah, indie Game of the Year is always my favorite one because there's so much cool yeah. stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, like, there's definitely innovative AAA games, but it, the weirdness of something like Inscription was nominated, it didn't take any of the top five spots, but like, it is a bunch of weird shit. Like, that's not, you're not going to get that in a AAA game. It's like the indie space is where it's going to do this weird, cool stuff. And that's why it's always a fun award to. to I mean, look, the indie space at. is so much more populated, too. So for our. 10 nominees there's another 40 out there that could have been oh, nominated yeah a ton well. of games it's mm-hmm. just i think it, the the indie list was longer than the uh game of the year when we when we did the voting yeah i think indies also like they sit with you that much longer and you know where like everyone knows about guardians of the galaxy everyone knows about halo infinite like you know from from you know as we were pulling together all of the lists of like what indie games were great that someone might have listed uh, Loop Hero and might have never heard about The Forgotten City or Death Store and vice versa. Yeah. And it's just so much um, more out there and like more obscure isn't the right word, but like... They're built more on word of mouth. Um, mm-hmm. Like Inscription's yeah. a really good example that that released a couple months ago. Um, the people that played it loved it and we've kind of seen this build up to where it is now it's been consistently on teams steam's top seller list for the last like two or three weeks because everybody's talking about it so they don't have these big marketing budgets like halo and some of the other ones do so they rely heavily on word of mouth but once that word of mouth starts spreading it i mean those games explode oh yeah i think it won polygon's game of the year i think they announced it did yeah Yeah. inscription there's been some really great indie games this year for sure i i really need to play inscription as well that's definitely on my to to get list yeah me too yeah i think it says a lot that like it had that power where i still wanted to check it out and like i got to a point where i know like i'm good with it but i can definitely see why a lot of people are saying okay this is some good shit right um but to talk about some of the games that are in the top five right i think we've we've hit forgotten city pretty well i think Mm -hmm. forgotten city is just it's a stellar game truly built on its writing but the writing is just that good right um loop hero is one of those games where i did play i like four hours of it and i had to put it down not because like i didn't like it because i knew okay if i play any more i'm not I'm not going to play any other video game for like a week because <laughs> yeah. it's just so it just has that perfect like just one more game because I mean it's a loop right where you're building the world with these cards and then you're just trying to gather resources survive and fight these monsters and it's kind of an auto battler idle game sort of thing but you are laying the, the path so it's up to you to figure out what's the most optimal path to make where I have the longest chance to survive or the best chance to survive and it just scratches so many good itches where you're like oh man there's just so much to want to gather and so many ways to optimize your game and like 
oh, there's just so much to it, you oh, know, yeah. like in a good way. And the addition yeah. of the, the multiple heroes that definitely you have to build very differently because it is a little bit of a dick builder thing going on with it, like with the cards too, where, you know, if you're doing the warrior guy versus the rogue, it's a very different skill set you want or the necromancer mm-hmm. is like very, very different things that you want and the resources you want to go through it. Uh, I played a shit ton of loop hero. <laughs> a lot was that your i didn't play anything else that for week, a, a while, well it's it was the perfect like so because of my job like sometimes i don't want to do anything that's takes any like this is gonna sound weird like that takes a ton of brain power that i have to pay attention to like an insane like the entire time what's good about loop hero is that okay i build my thing i just i make these small choices over time if i but i got a strategy in my head but i'm just continually making these small choices and it was the perfect kind of just like de-stress and like chill out kind of game for that because i'm not actively having to do anything i don't have to aim at shit i don't have to i'm not even like a heavy writing game i don't have to like pay attention to that and think about character and plot whatever what i like to do um it's just i'm playing this and it small little choices that feel that add up over time and it's just so good even the little world building bits that you do get is interesting like as it progresses as you progress through the game um it's not like a super heavy story game but like um you're basically the world is being forgotten it kind of and like as you build up your camp and collect these cards and progress you're like rediscovering parts of the world and like people are coming back like what the shit and trying to remember certain things. And it's just a really interesting little world buildy kind of thing if you like interesting fantasy stuff. Um, definitely adds like a nice flavor to it. For sure. Uh, unpacking. What a cute fucking game that is, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's one of those. If you need to de-stress and just have some like good old, like nice, wholesome nostalgia vibe trip unpacking is really good for that it's like adorable pixel art and you're just like it's, it's literally just unpacking like it, it, yeah. it lives up to the name right it's like you just play as someone who's moving around throughout their life and just unpacking their shit and putting it in rooms that's it's it it's got that like very that very satisfying feeling of like you know finding the perfect place for everything mm-hmm. like you know you'd open a new box and you almost want to pull everything out of the box and put it on the floor to be like okay where are we where are we going to start putting things away yeah and it's just it's so nice mm-hmm. yeah it's just it's it's the best part of moving right because everything before that point sucks but then unpacking everything and being like let's make this a home that's that's the fun part of it right yeah. i think they just distilled that into a video game there's also i think there was an added bit of fun for me with unpacking with that just like you know i mean i got like three or four rooms through um, I got to like the the character's first apartment, so I don't know if you like meet the character at the end or like know anything more about them by the end. But just figuring out who this this person was during the stages of their life, due to what you're pulling out of this box, was a lot of fun. Um, to go from you know the the very basic stuff um, that you'd put out like books and an alarm clock, and then like moving them into the like college dorm. Um, you know, at one point I pulled out like a little Digivice Tamagotchi and that excited me, uh, because, you know, Digivices are awesome and we all know it, even though Rudd's silently snickering to himself. I'm just laughing because you're wearing one right now. Yeah, of course I am. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, because he's, he's a real winner. I've, on brand. I've got an ex-Tyrannomon uh, going right now for my for my new dim card I got for Christmas. That is yeah, a, that those, those were words. was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> those were some those were some words there, Stretch. <laughs> um, and, and then well, and then like later on, you like pull out some like movie and music posters, and then as they're an adult, you're pulling like Gundam figures out, and it's like hell yeah, like. This is like, I'm, I know who this person is by the contents of the life that they live. Um, and that was just like a neat thing that I never would have, huh. never would have expected. How very, yeah. you it's know, like it's, it's capitalist and consumerist of you. Oh, I'm defined by what yes, I own. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> I mean, we all are defined by what we mm-hmm. own. Yeah. yeah Rut's it, pointing to his Grogu in the back. Right. Rut is Grogu. Is that what we're trying to say? That is my green space son. Mm-hmm. Robert's pointing towards his sacrificial altar mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where I mm-hmm. sacrifice video games sure okay. just got a giant ass Warcraft 3 poster behind him yeah, yeah. it's this is the but safer work but one, it's though. my <laughs> own uh, I printed it myself it's not you know official you mm. drew it with crayon uh no I, I found the image the poor guy at the shop <laughs> Had to print it out. <laughs> it's not mine, I swear. Yeah. yeah. I'm doing uh, this for a dare. <laughs> and then the, I lost the bet. And the people that, that had to get it framed, they, I think how long they had to look at it. <laughs> hey, no, Stretch. Keep coming back to this. <laughs> yeah. Stretch, you played and, Death's Door, right? Yeah, I loved Death's Door. Yeah. That was another, like, really fun. It's. If you if you enjoy um, like the top down Zelda games, but you've been feeling like they've been a little bit too easy, this is um, you know kind of a kind of a harder lean. You know you only have three health. Uh, you can get up to a max of four or five health, like by collecting everything through the game. Um, but it's just a really neat little um, like half a Zelda game. It's just got like the three sub areas and then like a big final boss. Um, but it's got a really cool array of characters. All of the power-ups are a lot of fun. Um, it's it's pretty tough. Um, not like, you know, hair-pulling tough, but like that satisfying level of victory where you'll fuck up and die three times, but then uh, but then we'll be okay going forward. <laughs> right. Um, but that was an absolute brilliant game. I'd recommend it to anyone. Yeah, it's super cute too. If I'm, if I'm remembering the right game, yeah, right? It's like adorable. cute low poly, um, Grim Reaper crow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like Kana Bridge of Spirits is also like a little more difficult than you'd think. It's also very cute, but also like harder than expected in a way. Kana was weird because like the normal mode is the normal mode in normal combat was very normal. The boss encounters were pretty difficult. The hard mode I didn't try, but the story mode was then trivially easy. Mm. Um, so they kind of, they didn't quite find that balance. Um, but it was still really fun. Yeah. <laughs> if you, if you, and you can toggle it, you know, between difficulties at whatever point you want. So if you're really enjoying the difficulty and then you get to a boss that, you know, requires in your perfect inputs, the the frames on the parry are a little bit tight or a little bit tight for me. Um, so there was definitely uh, like one of the later bosses 
I got through and I was just like, I'm, I'm not having fun fighting this particular boss this way. Flipped it down to story mode, beat the boss, flipped it back up to normal, um, and continued on. Mm. Um, but it was just, it was a little bit, uh, sad that those boss fights were just so trivially easy on the easy mode. Yeah. I think it says a lot about the game though, right? Where it's like, you want to do whatever it takes to get through the boss. You just want to see more and more of this, just what this world has mm-hmm. to offer, right? It just feels so just alive, right? Yeah, it, it really draws you into the adventure, you know, learning so much about Kina along the way and how she's developing as a spirit guide. And you want to, you know, the, the whole premise of the story is that you need to, like, quell the spirits of the recently departed so it's not just find boss, beat boss, but it's you go through an area to like pick up like little bits of their history and learn more about them and who they were in life and what drove them. And then, you know, what tragedy befell them that they now turned into some horrific monster. Mm-hmm. So you do you want to see that adventure, see the quest and, and learn about these characters. And if one frustrating boss battle is in the way of me and you know a really fun story then that boss can get the fuck out of my way (laughs) exactly all right we're down to our last category our our the big one right uh game of the year our reader's choice goes to halo infinite fifth place death loop fourth place resident evil village third place it takes two Second place, Halo Infinite. And first place, Tech Raptors 2021 game of the year is Guardians of the Galaxy. Q Awesome Mix Volume 1. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically put on that Star-Lord album. That original soundtrack Star-Lord album. Bro, that God. shit slaps. It does. <laughs> it's so I- good. Yeah, I think Guardians, I mean, you know, we've we've been saying it pretty much as it come, came out, but it's just like probably one of the most surprising games of the year. Like probably, you know, like expectations to reality is one of those just like they're I, so I off. heard even Martin Scorsese enjoyed <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, I hear David Lynch played it on his phone and he liked it there too. I remember, you know, booting it up because I wasn't initially planning on playing it. And then, you know, Otten was like, hey, y'all, this is actually really good, right? And in that first, because one of the first things you do when you boot up the game is you're playing as teenage Star-Lord sitting in his bed and it's like in first person and you're like looking at the album uh, cover, right? The album, like the thing with all the lyrics to the songs and, and the music starts playing. And at first I was like, Okay, I mean, I listen to a lot of 80s rock, but this must be one of those underground sleeper hits I might have missed. And then I like started reading the lyrics and realized, oh, wait, shit, these are the lyrics to it. What the fuck's going on here, right? And I sat there and waited because I think it'll play the whole album if you just sit there for like 40 minutes, right? Because I That's wanted to so see, cool. will it go to the next track? And it does. I was like, dude, this is, this is already setting a vibe that I am very here for. It's the care put into absolutely every aspect of the game is bonkers mm-hmm. yeah leave it to leave it to this fucking game to be like star lord is the name of a totally real 80s band <laughs> that inspired a young boy to become a spacefaring space pirate i would i would love to see a track or two from that soundtrack show up in um 
Guardians Three. That'd be great. Oh, that'd be that rad. would be awesome. Yeah. Like not even to like mention it or anything, just to like have um, one of Star Lord's tracks playing in the background as a as a deep cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think I I don't think we can sing this game's praises enough. You know, there's just a lot that's going on with it where you just you want to see play it. Yeah, it's, that's what we need to say about it at this point. Just play. Go it. play. Yeah. It. It's so good. Yeah, like the story is surprisingly heartwarming, right? And like it, there are a lot of twists and turns in it. Like we have a we have a feature on our site where uh it's a, it's about the dad trope in the game i i won't say too much because it does have spoilers but you know there's there's a lot going on in this that i would say it's one of those like you you should check it out if you're if you're gonna play any game from 2021 it's one of those and if you don't yeah. really care about even the little character moments or you, that's not really your bag like i don't really give a crap about that stuff like it's still super fun like there's a bunch of ridiculous stuff that happens it's still very like i one of the, i talked about in the review it's got this very much like guardians flair to it that's just a bunch of crazy shit on top of everything like i think i just just get to nowhere and go into the bar yeah yeah and well, leave it there. <laughs> yeah there's just <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, there's so many things I don't want to say. I don't want to spoil stuff, but there's just so many great moments and even things from like the very first few minutes of the game that show up later that are referenced. Those will come around and it's it's good stuff. If I could be honest, and this is very not a spoiler, but one of my favorite things in the game is the fridge door on the ship. <laughs> yeah, yes. is, the fact that you two like laugh so hard yeah. just by saying it's a, the door to a fridge. What the fuck's going on, right? Yeah. Like in in his house, yeah, that fridge does the exact same thing. Yep. Also, <laughs> you didn't notice that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they they do resolve that not even plot thread. I don't even want to call it a thread. It's like an inside yeah. joke, I guess. But they resolve it at the end, and it's it's wonderful. It's so great. Yeah, I just, just I, there's a, when I was writing the review, I was I was sitting, I was like, man, I really can't think. There's of many things that I don't like about this. It just does everything so well. It nails a certain vibe and just. I, I I've never seen a game like just fit its own this own feeling and just ride that to the end and do it so well. Uh, there's just a certain Guardians vibe in the way the humor the characters interact because all of them are pretty insane and self involved, and but they work together really well. Like it's uh, it's I don't know it's good, it's great. It was just very yeah, entertaining absolutely. the entire time. It's very well deserved for sure. Um. I also want to just take a moment to talk about Resident Evil Village because I think in in mm-hmm. this you know in our list I don't think it's really made any other list except talking for about Dami Mommy, well and the three other friends, um, <laughs> <laughs> Tommy Mommy and her three friends. <laughs> uh. But no, Resident Evil Village is that for me it might be one of my like it'd be higher on my personal list I think for game of the year, um, but I think it just it nails that campiness but genuine horror moment you know like that balance so well that resident evil tends to live in right (laughs) you know like you got ethan winters who like is somehow simultaneously scared of everything but also immortal like he just can't die you know he gets his hand cut off and he just throws some water on it and it just it just reattaches it's fine he's fine he's good right it's also kind of nice that where where resident evil 7 was like uh a love letter to 
Resident Evil or Resident Evil Zero. Um, Resident Evil Village is such a love letter to four. Yes. Um, and it, it pulls on that nostalgia and that feeling, even so far as having like a a large fish creature that you need to slowly battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and even like the the like the factory level in the later part of the game. Like it's just uh there's just so much to this game that's so wonderful you know and like even if it's your first resident evil game i think it just does so much that is just worth your time and energy to spend playing in this game and it does the like infinite replayability thing that resident evil games are so good at you know once you play through it then it's like okay but now you can unlock all of this stuff right Mm -hmm. i don't know it's, it's truly a fantastic game and it's just nice to see resident evil bounce back from the dark the dark ages of resident evil 6 you know to be this from great from resident evil giraffe blowjob yes yeah Mm -hmm. what's this i'm interested in resident evil now oh it's not a warcraft (laughs) 3 um mod no well i it can be (laughs) if you look hard enough yeah anything could be a mod yeah kind of from from five and then into six resident evil really lost its way for a bit and then the revelations brought it back and then seven and seven and village have just been on fine form mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'm just looking forward to whatever resident evil happens next if, if it's that four remake if that happens i'm down if there's like a nine sure you know we get to see what happens to super powered daughter yes yeah are there any other games from rr five games of the year that anyone wants to shout out talk about all i know is that the awards personally attack me every year because half of what's on them i haven't played yet (laughs) Mm. that's a you problem no i think it's you know everything everything else on that list we've already kind of spoken about halo infinite it takes two death loop um it's been really excellent seeing that more i think more often than not we were on the same page as the readers um, which is always cool to see. Yeah, yeah. Um, just so that we can, you know, all celebrate games together, um, or that we don't have a whole bunch of our readers telling us how stupid we are and our choices suck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like all, every one of the readers' choices, there was something like you know, it, it was in the top, like one or two of ours, which is good to see for the most part. Yeah. Um, so I guess that that's a wrap on twenty twenty one. On all the video games of 2021. Yep, there's right? none other, no oh others we're talking about at all. We've talked about every <laughs> worthwhile one. No, that's not true. Oh, we don't get me started. We, did, we didn't talk about Forza Horizon 5. It's true. Nah, it's that's tragedy. That's true. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. Or 12 minutes. Mm. That that should have won Indie Game of the Year and Game of the Year. Uh, yeah. You know what? We should just go find a <laughs> clip of us explaining it to Sam and put that in one. <laughs> Because we did, if people don't know, oh, that we was did some on one test of the, podcasts. That was on one of the forgotten ones, too. Yeah. We were getting ready. And Deep cuts. We explained 12 minutes to someone that hasn't played it, and it, it was pretty... Explaining it just makes it, it s- sound so much worse. Spoilers and all, <laughs> yeah. too. So yeah. it's awful. Oh, yeah. It's definitely an interesting game of the year. But... I think that's a wrap for 2021. Yeah, it's, it's the last week of the year, too, which is uh, pretty wild. So we hope you had a good uh, weekend celebrating Christmas or the holidays, however, however you choose to celebrate. If not, we hope it was at least restful and relaxing for you. 
Um, we hope you like the show. You know, if you did, feel free to leave us a review uh, anywhere that you can. Or if you're watching on YouTube, thumbs up, comment down below. Let us know what your personal game of the year is and let us know how wrong we are. Because, you know, we probably are. Um, <laughs> and if not, you know, maybe hit the subscribe button if you haven't yet, right? It'd just be really helpful for us. Um, we'll be back next week, but if you can't wait that long, you can check out techraptor.net where we're always publishing new reviews, features, news, and so on, right? And hey, happy new year, right? That's that's at the end of this week, right? The 31st, and then we're going to hit 2022 where everything will be better. Yeah. The mi- the Mayans, I wish they had been right. Good joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And with that energy, we will see you next week and next year for a new episode of the Tech Raptor Podcast. See ya.